So welcome everybody back to the Ballymontos Recovery Podcast. I'm your host Jimmy Bell. Um, we'd like to say to everybody a belated Happy New Year. Um, we're going into our second year of running this podcast. When we first started out, we thought, you know what, uh, we'll do a couple of podcasts, see how it goes. But it's gathered momentum and it's got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, last year we talked to a lot of services, both um, therapeutic services and day programs, to discuss their programs and tell people a little bit about what goes on the daily goings on and stuff like that um, and I'd like to say we're going to continue that on now in 2024 um, and we're going to talk to two guys who will introduce themselves now shortly about CA Cocaine Anonymous. I know you heard during the podcasts a good few times fellowship 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 because it's a huge tool not just locally but nationally it's a huge tool for people in recovery and CA is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and we want to talk to two of the founded members here of the CA Ballymun meeting um, to discuss the fellowship and how people can get involved in it. So I'd just like to say welcome to us both this morning um, and if you want to take it away Alan and just introduce yourself and say a little bit about how you am. Um, I'm Alan, thanks Jimmy, thanks for having me here. Um, it's good to be here and um, as you said, um, like a local lad from Ballymun as well, and um, Ballymun is my hometown, and um, a lot of stuff happened in Ballymun. And um, like, like Jimmy said, they're talking about um, treatment centres and all that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd done all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd go into these institutions, or whatever you want to call them, um, because the drugs had destroyed my life, destroyed my family's life. And then I'd come out of these places, um, I'd do a lot of work in there, well, I think I'd do a lot of work in there regarding talking about trauma and whatever else I needed to talk about and then I'd come out and um, and then I'd just use again. I'd just use again and I was at it'd be like at the um, building up your building up your family and getting relationships back with kids and um, brothers, sisters, mother, um, relations, people I walked with, all that kind of stuff and then whatever had happened I just I just used I thought it'd come into my head again and I, I think it'd be a great idea to actually you know what, I'll just I'll try it for, for one more night, or one more day, whether it's the first drink or first drug, and um, and before I know it, when I take that first one, um, I'm back sitting in a treatment centre wondering how did this all go wrong, and that that happened me a few times. Um, so um, I came out of treatment in. I'm I'm, ten, I'm twelve years in recovery. I'm ten years. I was ten years clean there at Christmas. And um, well done. for well done. me, for me, I was. I never, I never thought I'd get. I never thought I'd get that. I used to sit in meetings and you'd see people talking about two years, three years. You know what I mean, and, and, and the type of person I was like, I I wanted what what them people had because that's what that's what CA was to me. It was all about. It wasn't about what clothes you were wearing. It was people how they were living. How do you talk and how do you carrying themselves, turning into, turning into like mature people? Because when you, when you come off drugs, yeah, like it's it's scary. I remember I remember coming out my first treatment centre. I, I done my detox in there in two thousand and ten, and I remember I remember running, thinking I like I was, I was two or three days clean. I said, you know what? I got I go home to my ma's house and I'll just go to meet and that kind of stuff. I remember coming running, selling the treatment centre and going going to my ma's house. And then being around my family, and I'm not messing with you, it was the hardest thing I, that I'd ever done because I was clean, right? And my family were talking to me, and I was like, it was an alien. 
It was bleeding horrendous. So I had no communication skills. I didn't know how to interact with my family. Um, so I knew nothing. It was like being, it was like being born again. Um, so how, how do I learn all this stuff? And you used to, I used to see it in meetings and um, these people, it, 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 they'd have something. They'd have something that I wanted because it, I could get clean, but I couldn't stay clean. Mm. So I used to have to go to these people and sit down with them. And in CA, we, we talk about the, the big book and um, it's about solution-based. It's about 12 steps, about sitting down with someone and, and just we just, just used to read out this book do some writing on him and just talk about about what what way my head me, me, me head had function because growing up in Ballymun you could never you could never tell people what you were thinking mm. like you know what I mean it was, it was all fear based um, I was always afraid walking around afraid of what I don't even know um, and stuff you know what I mean but you could never say to your mates now and like the, the type of mate or whatever you, yeah, you or know I'm, what I mean? I'm feeling a bit sad or something do you know what I mean mm. they tell you to snap it over mm. do you know what I mean I don't even know but you just your, your head wouldn't even let you say it mm. do you know what I mean your, your pride, image yeah all that kind of stuff you wouldn't um, and the type of mates I, I hung around with we slagged that was it and if you had a weakness you got it mm. you know what I mean and it, it's still like that I wouldn't change any of it I wouldn't change any of it but um Back to CA, it was like these people had something that I wanted. Do you know what I mean? I wanted, and I just went to them and just asked for help. I remember, I remember sitting in a, in, a, in a meeting. I used to go to a different fellowship, and I, I ended up in um, I ended up in um, CA. And a few of my mates that I grew up with, like just there's, there's a good few of us that used together out here, and we all ended up going our separate ways. And as you deal with with, with drug addiction, with drug addiction, you end up on your own. Yeah, because that's where I ended up. Like I had a partner or two kids, and um, well, you end up on your own. Just it talks about it in 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 their book. It's like the lone wolf just going around. You know what I mean, because I was the type of addict. I didn't want to share my drugs. I I take his drugs, but you weren't getting any of mine. You know what I mean? So then, like going at the fellowship and and like trying to to be around people. So that's hard as well. Um, can you I, can you discuss a little bit about your first time going into a meeting and how? How you were embraced by the culture of CA. Right. I tell you the first time I walked into a meeting, right? Yeah. And um, that is hard. That is hard because I remember I remember eating a biscuit in that meeting, right? And the whole room thinking, oh yeah, eating a rich tea biscuit and the noise that in your mouth. <laughs> my heart is nearly jumping out <laughs> of my skin, right? Terrified. Terrified. And I remember you'd be talking to people outside, like people make you feel really welcome. And that's a, that's a big thing we're in it that you made feel welcome in it, right? And people say to you out there, How are you all right? Yeah, I'm grand. But go into that room, man, and try open your mouth to say your name. Oh, boy, God. Yeah. That is, it's probably, it's, it, it's, and like, it's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do because this thing that's controlling you won't let you, you know what I mean? Uh, he'll, he'll, if you say this, he'll say that. If she, she'll say this. You know what I mean? So to actually open your mouth in that meeting, it's terrifying. Mm. It's terrifying. And I think uh, that has been discussed a good few times for people on the recovery journey, that first time doing something responsible and productive without a substance in their body and having to go through the emotions and go through the feelings that are associated with meeting new people, with going to new places and with doing new things. It's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different change, you know? And it ain't easy at the beginning, 
but it gets easier. Yeah. You become, I suppose, the feelings that you go through, you become more resilient to them then. You become more aware of them then and you become more able to deal with them better as time goes on. But the first initial time is really, it's really difficult. Yeah. Scary. Mm. Really, really scary. And um, and that's, that's, that's the thing we're in, we're in recovery and like how CA came to Ballymore there's there a few of us that um, like we, we go to meetings in town and all like there's meetings everywhere there's meetings everywhere and it's just grown it's like a mush it's just grown and grown and grown and um, a friend of mine a good friend of mine that I worked and I used to he, he, he was on the old treatment and a few, I think five of us got together and he said look uh, let's bring some, let's bring this to Ballymore let's bring this to Ballymore because out here, we destroyed this town. Do you know what I mean? In regards of like with police selling drugs, robbing, all that kind of stuff. So you come into recovery and it's about do the opposite of that. Yeah. What can you what can you actually bring to the community? And that was that was that was the thing within CA that we like there was no CA, there was a there was another meeting of a toast tonight, but there was no CA and he went around and counted he went to all the facilities around here. And like it was hard to get going and then we just I think five of us used to meet in McDonald's and a coffee and you know what I mean then hmm. we got it going and the first meeting was like probably three people. You know what I mean? And then four people, five people. You know what I mean? And you're thinking, is it gonna work? Is it gonna work? And then before COVID then it got really, really big and then COVID killed it again. Killed it again. But then it was online and you know I mean then I think the online stuff got really big up. But the meeting out here is it's so just, what what's the capacity now, averaging on a on a Saturday night of a meeting, a CA meeting, where you have a where you set it up, probably thirty to fifty people. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's probably, a huge change. And how long has that been established? So when was the first time you done the first meeting out here? I got I got I got a memory on my phone. I got a memory on my phone. So it was eight years ago, about eight years ago that that meet, that meeting got set up. And it was it happened just like this. It happened the way recovery happened just. People sitting down, let's come up with an idea. Yeah. And then with an idea comes a bit of action. Yeah. And with a bit of action and then stuff happens. And it's like the miracle happened. Because that's what it is. It's a miracle. Yeah. But it's bigger than that, isn't it? It's, 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 it's that message, isn't it? When you learn that message of recovery, when you have this, you want to share it with anyone everyone. that suffers. Yeah, you know, And you find ways and means to do that. And obviously CA was big for you and you wanted to introduce that to your community and say, have you here this is a meeting that works look at me look at the changes I've made yeah. come to the meeting you know what I mean yeah. explore it see what happens if you don't like it you can always go back to drugs but here's the reality if you come something will happen something will happen for you when you come to that meeting and that's what we were talking downstairs Jimmy it's not just about it's not just about going to a meeting you explore it a whole different life in regards of like you find your own in it social outlets yeah like swimming Running, walking, yeah. um, football, anything. It's yeah. whatever, whatever. God, God has a little plan, and like if you're open to it, it's there for you. And it's mm. the gifts that just they just keep on coming. Yeah. Lisa, for yourself, your experience with CA. Um, um, so I come round over three years ago, um, and I actually remember I used to look at Alan, believe it or not, on a, a daily and say I want to be like him, yeah. but I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. You know. Um, I only went through one treatment centre and I think it was back in 96 in Beaumont and because I'd no CA, you know, no meetings. Sound like 
St. Michael's Ward, yeah, yeah Bowmount. Done it three did, times. Did you? <laughs> yeah. And I walked down floors, Jimmy. I was three weeks stroke free. I walked the floors for 10 days with my legs. Today yeah. I grew We're in an hour I used, yeah. you know. And I didn't even have a second thought about the torture I just went through for yeah. them 10 days walking the floors, you know. And then I remember COVID, I said, right, try and come off the methadone. And I detoxed one meal a week. Um, and Alan kept, he knew I was detoxing and he kept saying, come to a meeting. But I didn't think I deserved a seat in the meeting, still on methadone. Yeah. So I was a week drug free. And I said to him, is there any online meetings? And um, he organised a, a girl was doing an online meeting anyway. He sent me to Zoom and I got onto it. It was my first CA meeting. And I fell asleep on it. I hadn't been sleeping because I was detoxing. And then I went to an open meeting because um, it was outdoors because of COVID. And I remember sweating, looking down at the ground. And the lad said, do you want to share? And I just said, no, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and then I got me home group. And I used to go every Sunday night. And the same thing. I remember sitting in the corner, sweating. And then little by slowly, I would share just a tiny little bit. And then I got a little bit of service, making cups of tea and stuff like that. And each week I had to hire my head, mm. you know. And people didn't remember your name then. So I started remembering people's names. Um, and I'll, as Alan said, you get your own little tribe around here. You know, you do. You find out where you fit in. Do you know? Little subgroup. Recovery Absolutely. Subgroup, yeah. But I can be very socially awkward as mm. well. Do you know, like mm. I can be around people and I'm like, we've had enough of that and... I just like to go home and have peace. Mm. CA has given me peace in my life. Right. You know, it really, really has. Um, it's learned me how to deal with emotions, which I couldn't deal with. You know, I really, really couldn't. The time I put the drug down, I was still a 13-year-old child mm, because course. that's the time I'd picked up, yeah. you know. I didn't know what colour I liked, what food I liked. I didn't even know anything about my family. Yeah. And then it's just as well, you know, we live next door to each other because I've been in the family home and I'm like, oh, Jesus, these are too There's much. There's an Lisa. Sorry, but I know, I know, I know. But like Alan has been a great support for me yeah. because we live next door. I can jump the wall and have a rant. And then he say, you finished now? I'd say no. And I'd keep going. But he'd kind of calm me down. And, yeah. and that's what you get around here. Yeah. And I remember Alan opening the meeting back up after COVID. And we were sitting there, six people in it, you know. Yeah. And as he said, now there's mostly 20 to 50 people yeah. um, on a weekly basis. And it's not just about the meeting, you know. It's people coming in. Do you want to go get put into a women's group? Because it's women for women, yeah. men for men for yeah. certain reasons. Um and it's just putting your hand out, dragging the next person in. Mm -hmm. And that recovery then you get to bring home and it goes through the family. Yeah. And it's actually really gone through my and family. And through the community. Yeah. Mm. And through the community yeah. as well. The like, amount I mean, of people that use that meeting now. And, absolutely. You know, me as a, a recovery practitioner, yeah. I would, you know, advocate people to go to CA meetings regularly. Mm. And I'd use, use a meeting all the yeah. time to go to, you know, because it's a great structure for them, mm -hmm. you know. And even what you said there, Lisa, it's important that like you don't have to be clean to go to these no. meetings. If you're like if you're using like yes. if, you're, if you're using, mm -hmm. please, 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 please come because yeah. you'll so, get recovery in it. So, yeah. Alan, for somebody sitting at home in their bedroom who might be listening to this podcast, 
break down what happens in the meeting so that they get a little sense of what might go on in terms of how the structure of it. Right, I'll tell you, right, f- f- it's, it's like, I'd, for me and anyway, for years, sitting there saying, like, I'd, I'd love to be able to do something recovery, right? I'll go to go to a daft, but it's, your head will tell you you want it, but then when the time comes near, yeah. when the time comes near, you, your head will come up with all the excuses, and that me for years. So the biggest thing you can do is reach out if you know someone, because it's attraction, this kind of stuff. It really is yeah. attraction, and that you'll see someone that you know, because you, oh, you will know someone that's in recovery, and just go with them and just sit in the chair. That's all you have to do. You, there's no there's no expectation to talk. You don't even have to talk. People like me or Lisa will come over to you and we'll mind you. Yeah. Why is the newcomer so important? Because it's like that you sit, like, people are on drugs. People write you. My family wrote me off. My family wrote me off. Lisa's family, people in the meetings. And then when you see, when you, when you see people recovering, there's a shine. You know what I mean? It warms your heart. Yeah. yeah. We, we see newcomers, yeah. and the same voice, people see me doing it. It warms your heart. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's amazing. It's very rewarding. Oh, it? come yeah. here. Nothing can buy you. No drug will ever touch you. Even though I love drugs and yeah. I love what they're doing. But when you get this, when you get what's on offer, nothing can touch you. Yeah. Honestly, it's priceless. Yeah. And you want to give it to everyone. Mm. And you, you can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you could, like as Alan said, if someone comes to a meeting, Jimmy, you know, you introduce yourself to them. Or if someone knows someone, Bring them. That person picks you up and brings you to a meeting as well. Mm. You know, and mm. it's it's it, it it's like a little family. Then it gets, yeah. doesn't it? And it just yeah. gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I've met such amazing people in their meetings. Yeah. I have. Not everyone gets me. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't get everyone either. Yeah. Um, and as I said, you will find your little tribe. And then we do loads of different stuff outside the meetings. Do you know yeah. a lot of different stuff? Social club as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and on the other side of that as well, not like some people don't get this either. Yeah. Like yeah, like when you do get it, you're blessed. So that's what. That's why I need to hang on to it. That's why Lisa, we need. To, so that's it's important to me to help these new people and show these new people yeah. because as you said, as I said, that's what yeah. opens my heart and just yeah. bleeding lets me get on with it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? When you yeah. see like it's like on your worst days and when you're having a bad day, but when you're able to help someone, yeah, and that's not just in recovery. That's in everyday life. Absolutely. I remember going to meetings for the first time myself, and you know, way back when twenty years ago, and. The embrace that I felt from people, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I was like that. I was petrified going into the room. But they spot you a mile away and <laughs> they just put the arm around you, you know. How are you? Are you okay? Just keep coming back. It mm. works, you know yeah. what I mean? It does work, but yeah. you have to stay consistent. It's like anything in life, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're into a sport, if you're into a hobby, you get better with consistency. Yeah. And the same with recovery. The more yeah. you stay consistent with your recovery, the more... St- uh, strength and resilience that is built up in, within you so yeah. that you can actually say someday you know what I have the power I have to control I don't need to touch that drug yeah. because I'm in control now people in early recovery they're, they're vulnerable they're still very vulnerable you know what yeah. I mean so that's why it's so important for that newcomer and it's, it it, it's like as you said I, I still get very vulnerable yeah. you know um, but you go to your meeting I do, and also, and then when you go to a meeting, I guarantee you someone can see that vulnerability. Oh, absolutely, in you. Yeah. and I'll share that too. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid to actually say where I'm at today. Yeah. I, I really believe what's got me to where I am is sharing where I'm at in a yeah. meeting. Yeah. You know, and the sad thing too, Jimmy, is some of these people we take to meetings, 
they're not gonna make it. Mm. You know, which is a really sad thing. You know, mm. some of them actually don't make it. And yeah, it's it's not all as serious. You know what I mean? Does it fucking you have some of the best time? You like I've had yeah. some. Of the, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like we're sitting here all serious and all. Yeah. Like, you have Both a fucking laugh. laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which, mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't swap it. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't. So the structure of it of a meeting for the first time for the person walking into the room is. You just come in, what is it, a cup of tea first? Yeah, yeah. Somebody, Just relax, sit down, yeah. and then somebody shares their story of yeah. strength and hope. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened, the room was open to everybody. Is yeah. it? So just explain that a little bit, what's yeah. the process and that. Come on, Nisha, you talk, on. Yeah, so as you said, you'll have someone meeting and greeting at the door, you know, yeah. introducing themselves, and then someone will be doing tea and coffee in most meetings. Yeah. Um, you come in, you have your tea, your coffee. You sit down, someone will share their experience, strength and hope for 15 to 20 minutes. And as you said, the room gets opened up then. And then if someone is really, really, if someone is sharing that's really, really down, you'll see so many people getting up at the end and saying, do you want to take my number? Mm. And then, then someone will just bring that person and check in on that yeah. person. And it just gets bigger and bigger then. And they get their own numbers off certain people and other people and stuff like that. Then there'll just be a little gathering. Maybe people go for tea, coffee. I used to do it in the early days. I, I don't do it as much now. I'd rather go home and have a little bit of peace. Mm. Because you kind of, as you you grow, you get a little bit, you get like emotional sobriety. I never used to know what that meant, you know. So as I said, you get to learn then about your emotions and stuff too. Mm. But, you know, they talk about higher power in the big book. And in the beginning, the meeting is where you get your power. It's yeah. like going in on a weekly basis and charging your phone up. Mm. You're getting plugged in for that hour and you walk out there so much better. Yeah. You really do. And it's like that. It's But the person that's doing the share, like it's 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 aimed at the new people walking in the door. That's who it's aimed at. Yeah. It's yeah. not about me up there making the whole thing about me. It's yeah. about directing at people that's only walking in the door. Like the, You want them to you know what I mean? And they, they want them to relate. Yeah, yeah. and, they, and they, 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 they'll come up to you after the meeting and say, Jesus, because more likely they won't be able to open them out. But it's just as important at the end of the meeting to be able to say, look, I, I, I know what you were talking about there, mate. I you know see myself in the Yeah, yeah. I done that, I done that. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So you, you aim at the people only walking in the door. Mm -hmm. And that's... And then as you start to progress through the meetings and stuff like that, I've heard about 90 meetings, 90 days. I've also heard about a sponsor. Mm -hmm. right. um, and then obviously the steps Alan if you want to you know right. talk a little bit about that and that's further down as yeah, you start going yeah, to but yeah, look it's in, in, in CA it's a big thing that when you come in get someone to bring you to the book you know they say a sponsor but it's just it's like this sitting down getting a connection with someone that you feel comfortable with yeah. do you know what I mean and if you don't feel comfortable you're not going to open up to people yeah. because there's some serious it's it's the real stuff that happens, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're not going to go in, no, you do get people that come in and tell that bleed. No. But that's not what, that's not what we be telling them to. Look at, go in and just bleed and say how you're feeling or what's going on in your head. But when you sit down on a one-to-one -one and you start reading out this book, um, because at the end of the meeting, you say, is anyone looking for a sponsor? People. Oh, so you say that at the end yeah, of the meeting? Yeah, say that at the end, is anyone looking for a sponsor? Yeah, yeah. people hold up their hands 
and then people go to them and or even when, when I came around you just had to ask them and it's like it's like asking a board on a date I'm not messing with you <laughs> it's fucking it's terrifying <laughs> I mean I'm like some people are just too busy and then it's rejection it's like oh no I'm not doing rejection that again is good, but yeah, well it's not nice when yeah. you get rejected Jimmy come on rejection is good rejection helped me with me yeah, emotions well, <laughs> I, I had a lad in Kilmoyne who I, I won't say his name but he, he says to me I'm going to help you and I says how are you going to help me funny story and he says to me I'm going to show you how to talk to people and communicate with people, you know, without a substance in your body. Because I had, I had to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we used to go over to Blanchetown Shopping Centre mm-hmm. and he used to say to me, now, any girl, pick any girl, just walk <laughs> up to her and start talking to her, right? And I was, I was sweating. I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? I was like, no, man, I can't. I'm panicking. Like, So he says to me, he says to me, look, I'll show you how it's done. So we walked off. Next of all, there he is talking to this girl. Boom, boom, boom. Laughter's flying. The whole bang I'm looking in the background sweating. <laughs> So the whole shebang, he, he gets there and anyway, he goes, talks to the guy. He comes, oh, he says, that's how easy it is. He said, I'm longer in recovery, but I want to help you. So he said, look, can I go into a shop and get a girl to save me? And that way I'll start it up. <laughs> so I walks in and I puts a, a packet of chewing gum on Tesco's on the, on the, the, the thing the, that moves along. But I put it right at the end. And I was the only one in the queue. So next of all, the packet of chewing gum was just going real <laughs> slow towards the top of the queue, you know? So the girl was there and she was about to save me. She goes, 60 cents or whatever. And I goes, her name was April. And I goes, I knew a girl named April. <laughs> I didn't know what to say to her, you know what I mean? And he just started breaking his shit laughing. And I just walked out. And next to all, the woman just goes, sorry, Sue, you're chewing gum. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to her. I just looked at her name tag and just said, I once knew a girl named April. <laughs> uh, she was in the totals, yeah. Uh, April O'Neill Channel 6 News remember that (laughs) but yeah there is laughter there is fun in it you know what I mean and you have to take them moments don't you you have to take them moments because they're great for development they're great for emotional development like you say you know because we're starting again Um, Mm -hmm. we really are but look it's really great to have you in today to talk about CA. Um, it is a huge tool, and I know the two years are huge role models within the Ballymun community um, for supporting people in recovery, especially around the CA meetings and stuff like that. And involving you as ourselves to um, send newcomers up to you, and they've said that they've been treated with nothing but respect when they walk through the door. And it is an important first step for anybody, and it is fearful, but it's well worth it. Mm, so for yeah. people who are contemplating to become substance-free, or to get involved in the recovery process. There's local stuff happening here on the ground in the Ballymont, stuff that you don't see yeah. because you have blinkers on when you're on substance. You mm-hmm. don't see it. But there's a huge, huge recovery community within the Ballymont community. Um, so if you are, you know, please get in touch. And how they'll get in touch, there's meeting lists online, is that? And yeah. Can you explain a little bit about the, that? The Ballymore meet, there's a, there's a meeting on in Ballymore in Slogan, the Women's Resource Centre, of a Monday, Wednesday and a Saturday. And the times are? So the Monday night is a meditation meeting. It starts at 7pm to 8. So it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes meditation. And then people can share where they're at. The Wednesday night meeting is 8pm. It's actually a men's meeting, okay. just men. Okay. And then the Saturday night meeting is 8pm as well. And that's an open meeting, that's, is it? Yeah, that's for everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. not actually an open meeting. An open meeting would be where family members could okay. come. So it's just like a CA meeting. Yeah. 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 So anybody is more than welcome. So you started off on a Saturday night with one meeting. Yes. few people. Yes. Now, there's three. so many years on, you've got three meetings yeah. within the community. So you don't even have to travel outside your community. No. No. You've got huge numbers participating. And yeah, it's not even that. Just 
the amount of people from Ballymun. Yeah. That, oh that's God, what I'm saying. Yes. The amount of people mm. from Ballymun. Mm. So that's how it just keeps growing and growing and mm. growing because it's like it's it's attraction and that's what it is. Yeah. Do I, I, mean? I do say to people when I'm sending them up here, I said, you will be surprised mm. when you walk through that door yeah. and you look around the room and you say, I never thought these people were in the same that, position as me. That's what yes. people say to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to get them to a meeting, ah, oh, no, he might be there. She, and yeah. as I used to say to people is, people would rather see in there than out bleeding there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like people with a good heart will want to see you do well yeah. rather than bleeding whatever suffering. you're doing. Come yeah. on. We know what suffering's like, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, do you know what? I have to say, like, you know, when things go wrong in your life and you can't really carry yourself, the fellowship carries you. Yeah. Mm. It, it does, you know. It really, really mm. does. Mm. Um, yeah. Conventions. Can you talk a little bit about conventions? Because mm. I've heard them being mentioned a good few times. Mm. There's actually there's actually one on the Belfast next week. It's on for a day. Okay. So I'm going up there. I'm actually going up there to do a chair tomorrow night. And then there's a, a day convention on up there. I tell you what. There's one in, we go to Portugal every year, right? And the, the Irish have a big one. But I'm not messing with you. You go, I, I go, to, you go to them things, and I'm not messing with you. You come back and you're bulletproof, honest to God. Just because you're surrounded by people that just—it's just all love. It's just bleeding. Yeah, yeah. People come together, yeah. have a dance. You listen to people talking about like from all over the world, Europe, and it's—I swear to God, make the head and then back of your neck Next stand up. It's—it's it's really, really powerful stuff. That's yeah. a great word you use oh, there, love, because yeah. for years I've been banging on about how people in recovery are being stigmatised and the fingers being pointed at them for years but it's actually love that gets people out people to feel love and respect Mm, because when you feel love and respect then you can can give love and respect when you don't feel that it's very difficult Mm. to give it back so when you feel that and especially in CA meetings you feel that a lot you're you know you start to embrace that and you start to see that that's actually one of my values Yes. I'm a loving guy. I'm mm-hmm. a respectful woman, and yeah. I'm going to give that back to the people who come through the door. And that's what we talk about with and the new. That's community. what you try to give to new people coming in the door. Yeah. Show them that it's look yeah. here. It's all love here. It's not. Yeah. It's not the street mentality that's outdoor. No. It's when you come in here, we want to wrap our arms around you, hug you, and tell you, look, it, yeah. you'll be all right. Yeah. And uh, your whole perception changes on life yeah. when you go through them twelve steps. Mm. Hope t- you were talking about the blinkers being on. <coughs> Excuse me. I just drive down the Ballymun Road. I never knew there was a mountain there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, every yeah. time I go down, and I was like, the mountain gets bigger. It's not, it's, my eyes are open more. Do you know? I hung around the flats, and I never knew there was flats there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it just goes to show. Where do these flats come from? Yeah, absolutely. And like, we have a friend, Jimmy, and he always says, hey, cracker, we found love in a hopeless place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 Very Big true. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so look again, I just want to thank you both Thanks. for coming in. Before we go, a question that we ask everybody is, what does recovery mean to you? Because it's, you know, it varies between people and how they the recovery journey happens for them. Just a small little snippet on what recovery means to you. Um, t- to me, it's about giving back and I can know now that my ma and my dad can actually sleep at night and don't have to worry about me. Yeah. Um, Whereas I'm only learning that more over the, the last year. Um, and trying to be a mother. Yeah. That's a major thing for me. You know, I lost, my son lost 30 years of his life yeah. because of my addiction. Yeah. And, you know, over the last couple of months, we've got a really strong bond. Yeah. Um, so it's so just... it's getting stuff back. It's getting stuff back, Jimmy. And yeah. it's just changing my outlook and peace. Yeah. Ju- just having a bit of peace in your life and knowing your family can sleep and be at peace at yeah. 
you know, mm. um, your perception changes as I go along on it. Mm. But that's how I'd feel today. Well, it's very interesting that you said that. I had a fella in uh, a while ago, Dottie, and he runs a programme over in Ring's End, RDRD, you probably know mm. it. Yeah. And he said, recovery is getting the, is recovering the things that you lost during your substance Absolutely. use. You know, mm. yeah. family, job, education, yeah. relationships, mm. yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting yeah. all that back, you know? Yeah. yeah. To yourself. Um, recovery has to come first, Jimmy. I, I learned that. I remember, I remember, um, I was only thinking about this the other day, an old boss I walked with said to me about, um, like, walk and all that comes first. That was his perception. But mine was, no, no, no. Mm. Without recovery, I don't have that. Mm. Yes. I, don't, I don't have my kids, I don't have my partner. I had a beautiful little baby born in, in recovery. Um, my first two kids were, um, they were in addiction. And to be able to, I, they live with me now, my me, me, me oldest two kids. Um, so it's just about building relationships, friendships, mm. yeah. um, all the kind of... Connection. Work. Yeah, just yeah. be able to be, I'm here I'm mad most of the time, but to be able to just, to be sit and just interact with people. Because I walked around with my head, mm. looking down, I could never look anyone in the eye. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Now I was told, and... That was it. Someone told me that when you talk to people, look them in the eye. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And show them that, like, like show me a word. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, like again, I'd just like to say thanks very much for both just coming in. And if anybody is contemplating um, going to CA meetings, there's three here happening in Ballymun. We will attach the links at the end of this podcast as we do with any um, recovery centre or day programme that we talk to. Um, and then again, if you just need to get in contact with myself or anybody from Ballymun Communications, feel free. Um, I also have Lisa and Alan's numbers if somebody is thinking about going to CA, I can put them word that there's somebody a newcomer coming and stuff like that so that you feel um, you're not alone when you're going through the door because that uh, loneliness can be difficult for somebody getting through the door for the first time but again thanks so much and you know keep doing the great work that you're doing because it is working because as you Mm -hmm. said you know the recovery capital capital within CA now is is enormous and the people who have gained um, recovery journeys from that is enormous as well they're really starting to blossom and you can yeah. see that whole community mm-hmm. of seniors all around do you know what I mean and yeah. it's, it's it's shining a light within the community so well done to you all and keep up the good work thanks very much thanks Jimmy, thanks, Jimmy. Rory's recovery story my name is Rory and I'm 47 years old and I lived in Ballymun all my life I lived in a home with a mother father a few brothers and a sister I was the middle child and always felt uneasy when my father would have a few drinks. It was more than mental torture, physical abuse or whatever. I played football, hurling, boxing and I had dreams. I started on drugs as a young kid. I started messing with Tipex, gas and other types of solvents and I liked the feeling that I got from them. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't listen to my mother or father. I started off sniffing petrol and gas and stuff like that. I remember being down an alleyway off the courts and a bunch of older lads were all huddled together and I just wanted to know what they were doing. They were sniffing Tipex and Tinners on that jumpers. That's when I got my first blast. That was it. It took me away. It took me away from me. I hung around with them for a couple of years from the age of 11 until the age of 14. Then I left my family home and went into a hostel. It was Halloween night, my first night there. A bloke asked me to light up a joint. 
I lit it up backwards. I didn't know anything about hash, and that was it. I got sick, and I swore I would never take it again. I was living around all these other fellas, and hash was all they did. So after a couple of weeks, I was out buying it myself. There was a lot more drugs coming into the house, a lot of hard drugs and tablets. So we would experiment with a few cans and tablets and a bit of hash. That was every weekend. After a couple of years of dabbling with these substances, we started going to the raves and started taking these. That was a whole new ball game. We initially was on a love buzz and everyone was dancing and partying. It was great fun until one or two people from the hostel died on it. We brushed off saying their drug use was worse than mine. We just kept using. There's a photograph of eight of us hung out there at the time and seven of them are dead now. They all died within a couple of years from drug use. I got a year or two of the years but then the come down after years wasn't a nice experience. I was at a party one night and there were people smoking heroin in the corner. I was wide awake on the E and one of the lads invited me to take a couple of lines of gear saying it would help me sleep and to come down off the ecstasy. Before I knew it, it had become a regular thing. I had to feed my own habit. I needed money to pay for my drugs at the weekend. Because once you have a habit, you need money for it. I was only 15 or 16 at the time. Then I went on to harder drugs. I was on the heroin. So I sold it to feed my habit. Yeah, it was hard. Crossed that line at an early age. I was 19 on a methadone clinic and they told me that was a six-week program, but I ended up on the clinic for 28 or 29 years. They show the entrance, but don't show you the exit. No one ever told me how to get off or anything about going into treatment, so I thought, this is it. I made my bed, and now I would have to lie in it. I thought there was no hope for me. Even from an early age, I had always taken some kind of substance. There were a lot of people from Ballymun who took drugs, and your peer group thought there was something wrong with you if you didn't. I was selling drugs for a long time to feed my habit. I regretfully tormented my community selling drugs when I was on a clinic so long that for the years that just passed my drug habit got worse and my methadone dose would go up. At different times I tried to reduce my heroin use but it just like a rat race. It just kept going around in circles. I honestly thought there was no hope for me. I met a girl when I was 18. By the time I was 23, we had our first child. I swore blind when I picked him up that he would never turn out like me. But I pulled out a bottle of drink and a joint and ran downstairs to drink and smoke the joint. That went on for years and years and years. I hoped my two boys and my partner through my drug abuse, but I didn't see it. The chaos I was creating with the police and other people knocking at the door. The kids being dragged out of their beds. I just needed my drugs. I could never hold down a job. I could never be on time. I never had the head to hold down a job. I always wanted to be what I believed was the easy way. I just wanted it my way, and that was me. This is what you do to feed your habit. Everyone around me got born because of my drug taking. My turning point was when my boys were in their teens and my partner had enough of me and my attitude. I was asked to leave their family home. I was broken mentally, spiritually and physically. I was looking in the mirror and didn't like the person I was seeing. But I just didn't know how to stop taking drugs. I wanted to, but I thought the mountain was too big. And A friend of mine called up to me out of the blue. I hadn't seen him for a while, a couple of years. 
he said, come on, we'll bring you on a spin, and he brought me to a fellowship meeting. I didn't know anything about meetings. I didn't know anything about recovery. I didn't know about changing my ways, but that was the start of my journey. I gradually reduced my methadone. Didn't want to go into the residential treatment, so I started going to Ballymun Yap, a local drug service in Ballymun. I began talking to counsellors and going to smart recovery meetings. I had started to reduce my methadone and other substances. I would get down to a certain amount of methadone, stay out for a while and then go again, dropping two mils a week for a few more weeks. At this stage, I could really see a difference in myself. I had so many people in recovery and then the local services helped me and gave me a deal. I just wanted to change, but at that time I didn't know how to surrender 100%. I didn't go into treatment because I had seen too many coming out of treatment and going back on drugs and sometimes even harder than they were in the first place. This is where I lived and this is my community. This is where I had come back, so I opted to do it in the community detox. I used to drop into Ballymun Yap and see people going upstairs and I thought they were students. As it turns out, they were part of the STAR project, the local community drug rehab centre. I knew one fella that was going there, so I asked him what goes on there, and he told me. And after a while, I was referred to STAR. They really started working with me to get down to my last few meals of methadone. They really encouraged and supported me through it. I really held on to those last few mills as my security blanket. I just couldn't imagine myself with no methadone or tablets in my system. I was in Star Project for two years. I did a lot of work on myself. Finally, I let my methadone and tablets go. I owe a lot of thanks to Yap, Star and people in the community. They know who they are who helped me along the way because I would never have been able to do it on my own. The support is out there for people struggling with drug abuse. It's never hopelessness, even though you may feel that way. There is a way out. You just need to reach out and find the right help for you. There are means and services. There is help out there for those who thought they would die on drugs and now become drug-free and live a good life. From sitting in a room on my own with methadone and thinking that was all my life had to offer to a person who was out there doing a lot in the community, going on holidays, giving back to people who are trying to get to where I am today. Recovery is possible for anyone, but at times it is a hard and rocky road. It's not simple straight line from A to B. There is a lot of zigzags along the way, but if you can keep walking on yourself and put work in, you'll be rewarded for your efforts. I am living proof of that. This is Maeve's recovery story. Hi, my name is Maeve and I am from Ballymun. This is my story of drug use and recovery. I came from an ordinary working class family with a mom, dad and brother. I had a great childhood and I had a very close bond with my family. At the age of 15, I started drinking with my friends on a Saturday night. I was trying to fit in with my peers, so I started smoking hash. At the end, at the age of 18, I started seeing my first boyfriend. Most of my friends disliked him as he was a heroin user. I was very naive and I would take his word that he only tried heroin a couple of times. I started going to discos at the weekend and doing ecstasy. One night I went back to my boyfriend's house with a few of his other friends and his brothers. 
His brother gave me two Valium to come down off ecstasy, but they turned out to be morphine pills. I can't remember much, but I know I was out of it for two days and couldn't go home. My boyfriend said he fought with my brother for giving me the pills, but I later learned they gave them to me so they could smoke heroin while I slept through the effects of the pills. I was with my boyfriend for two years before he smoked heroin in front of me. I remember watching him smoke it and thinking, how can you get addicted to something you inhale? I always thought heroin was meant to be injected. The relationship became toxic and violent and I was afraid to stand up to him. I smoked a few lines with him one day and it started, started a spiral of heroin use. I would minimise it because I only smoked it. I felt it blocked out the abuse I was suffering in our relationship. My relationships with my family and real friends broke down too and I felt more isolated and trapped in my addiction. The guilt and the shame from using kept me repeating the same cycles and making bad choices. I depended more and more on my boyfriend. He knew where to score and how to run it on the foil. I held down a job and every penny I made went to him to fund our habit. I ended up in a very dark place. As much as I hated the consequences of my drug use, I couldn't unknow the high it gave me. I broke up with my boyfriend after five years. Due to years of abuse and toxic drug use, I was a shell of myself. Finally, I got myself together for two years, then started going back out with friends and drinking and partying. I forgot the misery of where drugs had taken me before. I made new friends who were cocaine users and I started doing it on the weekends thinking I was in control until I couldn't go out one night without a bag or two or sometimes more. Then I needed something to come down and that's when I'd have a sm odd smoke of heroin here and there until it became problematic again. I was still holding down jobs and working but never having a penny. I started buying methadone to get me through the week. I'd wake up with dread of going through the day without a substance. The obsessive thinking and feeling sick. It was Groundhog Day, full of misery, heartbreak and tears. I decided to get myself a doctor and was put on a programme. In 2006 I went through some mental health issues. Unresolved trauma kept coming at me and the only way doctors thought they could help was to put me on Valium and Dalmain. At the time, it numbed the pain and pushed it down, but unresolved still. This kick-started my pill addiction. I stopped using other street drugs as I was getting them prescribed. I met a new partner in 2004. He was only out of treatment for his methadone and pill addiction and we soon fell into bad habits together. I was unhappy in life and it showed. I would blame everyone and anything except the substance. I protected it like you would protect a loved one because to be honest the drug was the love of my life until I had my son. I knew I wanted him more. Motherhood gave me a purpose. I tried numerous occasions to sort myself out but I hadn't the tools to pull myself out. I had no awareness of my behaviours or triggers. I linked in with Yap and I did Boxing Clever. It felt great to be on a natural high but when the program ended, I dipped. As my mental health and drug use went hand in hand, I used drug for my mental health, but the pills made things worse. The contradiction of the cycle was crazy. I started in the SAR program in 2016. 
I lost one of my closest friends to addiction and the reality of addiction hit home, but I still masked my grief with a substance. One year later, my dad passed away. Things just kept knocking me. I've had my fair share of losing people I loved. I've had a lot of death around me. It changed me as a person and the only way to cope was with a substance. It wasn't until they brought in Resonance Factor that I never looked back. The last two years, the Resonance Factor has taught me lifelong tools and has empowered me with choice instead of the myth that addiction is a disease. It's not, it comes down to choice. It serves us to think that way so that we can carry on our relationship with our substance. It taught me to untangle my trauma and addiction and work on them separately as you can become overwhelmed when they are tangled and go back to old behaviours. I have been able to look at my behaviours and to red flag them before picking up. I even did a grieving piece on my methadone before my detox and after. I started reducing two meals every two weeks. I felt nothing. I didn't feed into the myths that I will be dying sick or the last 20 mils is the worst. I'd done it slowly and breezed through it. I was 23 years on a methadone program and I am now substance free four months, something I never thought I could see myself doing. I now have started to plan goals and the feeling I get from my achievements are feelings that no substance could give me. I'm building my confidence that has been knocked from taking substances and the stigma attached each day. Anyone contemplating recovery, go for it. It's worth it. Life will throw obstacles and there is never a right time to start. So don't waste life waiting. Life is too short. I've learned that the hard way. There is always a way out. Just reach out. Talking is key and there are so many services willing to help. I have become a better mother, daughter and sister because I'm making good choices. It has a knock-on effect for your family and for everyone involved in your life that can help generation after generation. Your community will benefit and it shows others a way out. It all started that one step of reaching out for help. If you are serious about your recovery and wanting a better life, let's be honest, substances bring nothing but misery and death. If I can do it, anyone can.